My name is Justin. And I'm Meredith. And this is Dead Talk Podcast. Your rustic indie murder and weird thing podcast. Yeah, because we like to talk about it. Oh, man, there's so much stuff. Like, I wish I had a podcast for so many different things, honestly. Because, right. like, there's just so much cool history I wish I could talk about, too. Uh, I'm maybe, a nerd. Maybe if this ever takes off and we get rich, we can do more podcasts. I want to do so many podcasts. Like, I want to do this podcast. I want to do a D- Dungeons & Dragons podcast so badly. Ooh, I love me some D&D, dude. Like, really? Yeah. Oh, I've been working on a really good... Uh, I mean, we're going on a campaign. I don't know if it's good because, like, you don't know your own. You can't gauge your own art that well, right? right. But I like it because it incorporates my love of missing people. So, um, yeah. So maybe, maybe if we, because if we can actually start making something to live off of off of these podcasts, it'd be easier for us to pump out more of them. Exactly. Or if we just get twenty dollars a month. That's pretty dope too. Twenty whole dollars. That's like twenty whole dollars. Mm. <laughs> mm. Buy so many French fries with that. At least twenty. At least twenty. At least twenty French fries. Yeah. <laughs> a dollar a piece. A dollar a French fry. They gotta count it out. <laughs> yeah, make them count it out in front of you. <laughs> like, like no, 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 no. Count it out. <laughs> I want to see that. Like money, you know. <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh yes. For weirdness Wednesday, we're gonna have to do an Alistair Crowley episode, and so you can talk about the church and everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was thinking what could be fun sometime is that we could do um, funeral practices of like uh, non-major religions because there's a lot of cool stuff with that sort of thing. Because like, hey, greater feasts are really interesting, in my opinion. Right. So yeah, yeah. Essentially, it's like in. Irish wake mixed with like, hmm, trying to think of the best way to describe it. Basically, you get drunk, you cry a lot, and you go around in the circle and you tell your favorite memory or favorite story of the person. Well, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end, we like say like, you know, there's no part of him that's not of the gods, and we all drink. So like after every story. So that yeah. sounds fun. Dude, sick. <laughs> it's like, it is awesome. <laughs> and so you get drunk, you cry, you laugh, and then, like, you do some cool chanting and stuff. So didn't I tell you guys, I don't know if I did, that my dad took an ancestry test, and it turned out I'm not actually Irish. No. No, I didn't tell you that? No. So my dad took one in a while back, because, you know, we have the last name McGinty, so he was like, you know, obviously we're Irish as fuck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he took a test, and it turns out we're like, five percent irish or some shit like that and like 30 something percent german so then he's like so maybe my father's not actually my father and when you do the ancestry test it tells you other people that have taken it around your area that are actually relatives of yours oh my god it just like like, it it just connects what was that is his dad not his dad no not at all he actually met his real father over the last week what the Fuck? Yeah, but he never really knew his actual dad anyways. His dad was uh, drunk and was like not around. Oh my god, he was a love child. <laughs> oh my god, so who's his real dad? Uh, he met him over the weekend, and or last week, and I don't know, I haven't met him yet. How did it, how did it go? Like, how, How's your dad feel about all this? Uh, from what I see on Facebook, he seems more like a... Uh, like, he said that, he, that his dad actually reminded him a lot of himself, just like a straight shooter, pretty much. 
He said oh. it was a nice encounter, so. That's good. Well, you know, like, that's like, oh, man. Just life has a really weird sense of humor, because, like, the dad you thought was your dad isn't your dad, but it's cool, because that guy was kind of an asshole. And so now you're, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to assume that, like, Adrian Dwyer is your dad's probably, like, in his, like, 50s or 60s, right? Yeah, he's, I believe he's in his early 50s. Yeah, yeah. So, like, all of a sudden, game changer, your actual biological dad is, like, around. So is, he, is his biological dad still, like, in the same town as him? Yeah, from what I can gather, it's right in the same area. Wow. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. you're more about how all that went down and, like... Well... You feeling about this? Because that's a big deal for you. Eh, not really, because I never met my I met my grandpa once, but like yeah. I said, he was a drunk, and we were up north for a uh, family reunion. Mm-hmm. I was probably eight, probably about eight at the time, so my brother was seven or six. Yeah. And my dad gets us out of the truck. He goes, "Boys, I want you to meet your grandfather," and he was drunk, and he looks at us. He goes, "Boys," and he's like, "Boy, you guys are fat." Wow. And my dad's that's like, "The shit." Get in the truck, boys. I want to talk to my dad for a minute. <laughs> and that was the oh only time God. I ever met my grandfather. That is, like, the most Michigan interaction, too. Because, like, <laughs> most of our viewer audience, I'm sure, you know, probably people that you know are probably people of Michigan. So, like, they get it. But, like, as someone who has family, as both, that both my parents are from Michigan originally. And uh, that's, like, the most Michigan encounter. And you don't see families interacting like that, like, outside of Michigan, really. <laughs> Because, like, I can tell you beat by beat, there was something like that that happened not only to my dad when he was growing up, when he met his grandfather for the first time, who was also a drunk asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, which actually, sidebar nation, it's a really good story, but it's a short one. Is that uh, so when my dad was maybe, oh gosh, he had to have been 10. And this is when he was living out in Midland, Michigan, with, you know, with him, his, you know, his parents and his like three other brothers. So out of nowhere, my granddad gets a call from his sister and she says, hey, so dad, a.k.a. my great grandfather, who's not been in contact with them for like 20, 30 years because he was a drunk piece of shit and ran around. Right. She's like, yeah. So, you know, dad called me and he can't stay here because he's basically he's he's about to be homeless. It was basically what's happening is that he had suffered for so many years with addiction problems and basically just kind of like destroying every relationship he'd ever touched. So He's about to be on the street and like has no one to really rely on. So he calls up his strange strange kids. And so, uh, you know, my granddad's sister says, well, he's not staying with me and I don't recommend you let him stay with you, but I wanted to tell you because it didn't seem right not to tell you. And so my granddad paused and said, okay, well, like which dollar is he staying at? I'll send him money to get a ticket up here. And so he did that. And so uh, my great grandfather stayed with him for one week. And during that week, he got incredibly drunk every single night. And what ended was, how it ended was when my grandmother is a terrible cook. Like, she's never been great at cooking. Okay. So she made hamburgers one day. And they were not great. And so great-granddad comes home because he went out to the bars. And so everyone's mad because he's drunk. They're like, God damn it, this is our life now, I guess. And so... My grandmother tries to give him a burger, and she's like, here you go, like, you know, go ahead and eat it. He takes one bite, says it's fucking garbage, and throws it against the wall. It's (laughs) a long beat of silence, and my uncle Mike, God bless his heart, he's like, ooh, yeah, he's a year younger than my dad, he's nine. He pauses, walks up to the burger, 
takes a bite out of it, says, it's actually not half bad, and it, like, puts it on a plate and hands it back to him. Jesus and so great-granddad start, is about to start screaming at him, and instead my grandfather gets up and says, boys, go to your room. Like, your grandfather and I are going to have a conversation on the patio. And so he takes <laughs> me out on the patio, and my dad said they were out there for about an hour, and he said he couldn't hear what was said, but they never saw him again. And my oh, granddad man. just came back in and said, hey, it's been, it's been taken care of. Yeah, that's pretty much how it is. Like, yeah, which I'm like, that's all like right, I, such a good thing. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, we're going to have a private conversation. Yeah, we're going to have a talk, and you're never going to see this man again. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, like, it's like you're kind of Canadian, but you're also still pretty, like, American and a little bit redneck sometimes. Like, right, it's like, sure. it's so interesting. It's, a, it's an interesting culture. So, do you remember last week's episode... Uh, mine was about the murders here in Michigan, up there in Mile. My mom sent me the links. Yeah. Did you see the comment she posted on the when I shared it to the Facebook group? Shit, no, let me look. <laughs> well, she said, first of all, yes, I listened to the podcast, although I missed a couple episodes. Secondly, you have me yelling things out loud during the podcast. The phrase that you, uh, Meredith, were looking for was bolo, be on the lookout. Oh, yes! Thanks, Mom! <laughs> <laughs> And then oh, she put, uh, I love her. Thirdly, sorry about the parking ticket, Justin, but thanks for dropping off my paperwork. And then she put, lastly, Johnny Bravo rocks. <laughs> oh, yes! And your mom's name is Kimberly? Yep. Oh, thank you, Kimberly. <laughs> oh, God bless. Alright, so do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first this week? Mm. Oh, and Megan might be joining us later. We don't know. We don't know. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. We're, we're adults. Oh, it's God. hard. It is hard. Life, mm-hmm. you know, life is a struggle bus. Um, let's see. Which, mm. oh, you seem pretty excited about yours this week. I am. The ending is a little rushed, but... you want me to go oh, first, then? Crazy. Yeah, you go first, then, because I'm nervous. Why? No, I'm not nervous. I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, though. You go first. I like that. All right. So have you ever heard of the Kuntz family or the Kuntz family? How do you spell that? K-U-N-Z. Oh, that is an unfortunate last name. Well, my wife's maiden name was Cooch. Still unfortunate, but not <laughs> Oh my god, this is yeah, not, I don't think I have. Puns. I don't think I have. Okay, so this family was actually based off of... Well, not based... Okay, the show was based off of this family. Um, there's an episode of The X-Files... Yeah. Where there's oh. a bunch of hillbillies and oh they keep God. like the mom yeah. underneath the bed. That one's so fucking weird. Yeah. That okay, so, so weird. that is what sort of this that, that is based off of this family. Oh hell yeah, go ahead. Okay. So should I pronounce it Coons or Cunts? It's Coons, right? It has to be Coons. 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 Cuns. I Cunt. think so. I think we'll so. Cuns. Okay, so the Cuns family. They lived on a 108-acre property, six miles west of Athens, Wisconsin. The population there is just over 1,000 people, and it had the small-town vibe with a close sense of community. But most people in the area had no idea who these people were until what happened happened. Uh, They had an old farmhouse, and it was in terrible shape. And in the house, there were six family members. There were siblings, Clarence. That's way too many. (laughs) Clarence Coons who is 76, Irene, who is 81, Marie, who is 72, Helen, who is 70, and she had a son who lived there named Randy, who was 30. Outside in the trailer lived uh, Kenneth, who was Randy's brother. 
So why why Kenneth get shunned to the trailer is what I want what I want to know. I'm thinking it's because he was slow. Oh. He um had a very low IQ. He was a very shy person. Oh, poor Kenneth. Uh, so inside the house they were hoarders, like straight up, like wall to wall, just shit everywhere. Yeah. In the house there was no running water and no furnace. All their food was cooked on an old uh, wood burning stove, which was also used to heat the house. Oh God! You know it had to smell so bad in there too. Dude. Yeah, like. Uh, well, I mean, okay, so, I mean, this kind of takes away from the stink. Their outhouse <laughs> was used in the woods. Oh, thank God. Okay, good. Because <laughs> you never know. I'm like, are you guys, like, going in sh- I've seen that on hoarders where, like, people, like, are shitting in bottles and shit and just leaving them everywhere. I know. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, God. Like, wh- how did it get to this point and why didn't you stop? <laughs> like, shit. Yeah, like. Ugh. Okay. We didn't get to that point here. It's an outhouse of a designated building in the woods for this for, for their shame. Right. Yeah. They had old old cars all over the property. And uh, once police went through the house and investigated everything, they when they thoroughly searched it, they found a sum of twenty two thousand dollars throughout the house in drawers, boxes, and just laying out in the open. See, that's not weird to me, because, like, country folk don't trust the bank. But why would you have such a shitty house and living conditions if you have $22,000 just laying around the house? Hmm, because, like, just because you have money doesn't mean you're a clean person, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, I mean, my house gets dirty at times, but never... Oh, yeah, mine's pretty bad right now, but <laughs> never hoarder level, like, no. Right. It's just, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just like clearly you were busy doing other things like playing Sims 4. <laughs> okay, so the worst part of oh, this might be part of the worst part. Okay, so all throughout the house, there was porn. There was porn everywhere. There were magazines and mail-ordered VS- VHS tapes like all over the place. And wow. it's said that the family would watch porn together. Well, I mean, I guess it is a bonding activity, but I wouldn't want to watch porn with my mom or my dad or even my siblings. Yep. And it was that, that seemed to be confirmed when Helen made a remark to a store clerk about how she was mad that the family was using the VCR for porn. But she was, but, so, like, did, did she watch? Did, did she watch it with them? Um, then, or? I mean, I, I'm assuming she watched it. Or at least, like, walked in on... I don't know what's worse, because that's still really awkward. Well, maybe not, because... I don't know, because... uh, Mystery. All right. The three women slept in the living room together, and Randy and his mother, who was Helen, shared a room and a bed. That's weird. They were fucking. Oh. Oh, dear. How old was Randy? Randy was 30. Oh, Randy, no. But... That's creepy. Yeah. So he was fucking a seven-year-old mother. I mean... I just... Oh, do you know how long it was going on for? I'm assuming their whole lives, because it was an incest... It was an incest family. Oh, no. Straight up. That's so bad. So Kenneth, the brother that that lives in the trailer... Mm-hmm. was born to Helen when she was 15, and a neighbor was sent to prison for impregnating her. But Kenneth has said he was told his father was actually her brother Clarence, 
Oh, no. And not only that, he was stated he saw them having sex on occasions when he was a child. Multiple occasions. Oh, Oops, excuse no. Me. And how, yeah. how old is Kenneth? Like, what's the age difference here? Um, Kenneth... Why don't, why don't, why don't I have Kenneth's age? Uh-oh. Can we ask the Oracle? Okay, well, if she... Wait, okay, so wait, here, we'll just do math. Kenneth was born when she was 15. And then she so was 70 at the time of her passing. So he would have been 55. So, wait, wait, wait. So, hold on. So, oh, that's right, because they're, they're, that's the brother. Mm-hmm. So she was... Yeah, so she was 15 when he was born. Okay. And then she died when she was 70. Okay. So he was 55. 55. Math. Math, we did it. So, <laughs> wait, so then, like... Oh, dang, that's weird. <laughs> uh, that's, that family tree ends up becoming like a circle at that certain point. We're yep. like, oh, no. Yep. So, uh, yeah, he, he said he saw him on occasion. And incest was obviously a huge part of the family. Uh, none of the siblings or Randy had uh, any work history. Kenneth was the only one that had any sort of work history. And he worked at a local mill. Um, like I said, he was a, had a very low IQ. He was very shy. So, with the information the family's background, this is what happened. On, the, on July 4th of 1987, they don't say who, because they, they don't know. Okay. Someone went to the home and shot each of them in the head with a 22 caliber rifle. It plot twist! Now, I found some conflicting reports. Some say they were all in their beds when they died, but according to another uh, news source I found... Uh, Sheriff Leroy Schillinger, Schillinger stated to the media on July, 1987, July 1987, Marie was on the steps going into the house. Randy was laying on the kitchen floor. Irene was sitting in a chair in the living room, and Clarence was in his bed. Oh, wow. Investigators say they were gunned down execution style, and once they found the bodies, Helen was missing. Um, Kenneth discovered them when he returned home from work, and he notified the police. He was their first suspect, but quickly determined he was not the one to uh, commit these murders, and their attention turned to Helen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming just because of his IQ and everything, and they were like, yeah, no, he wouldn't be able to get, well, away, get also, away with it. Also, he was, he, they probably checked out his story, and they're like, oh no, he was wherever he said he was. Right. Mm-hmm. They had uh, multiple theories, but couldn't do much depending on if Helen was dead or alive. One theory was that it was Helen who had purchased... Uh, well, Helen actually did purchase these bullets Ooh, uh, weeks prior. And uh, although no one thought that a seven-year-old woman could do it, they thought maybe she did do it. Who knows? Yeah. Um, a search party was formed, and the community rallied together around the hope of finding her. They created T-shirts and buttons with Where's Helen printed on them. <laughs> okay, so months later, her body was discovered near Frozen Creek in Medford, Wisconsin, with a twenty-two caliber bullet in her head. Oh, so, yeah, they, she's they, dead, too. Yep, she's dead, too. Huh. Um, yeah. So a small-time criminal named Chris Jacob III was their prime suspect. He had previously interacted with the family and purchased some old vehicles off of them. He was pretty much the only non-family member to ever interact with this family. His okay. trial was brief, though, and he was acquitted for lack of evidence. However, in 1993, his ex-girlfriend came forward claiming she heard Jacob's confession. His defense attorney claimed she was just a crazy ex who was trying to get back at him. 
He was then tried again, but because of double jeopardy here in the States, he was not tried for the murder. But he was tried for the abduction and imprisonment of Helen. Okay, wait, so he imprisoned her? Well, that's what they said. They didn't really go into detail about it. So I wonder how long she was alive once she was abducted or... Yeah. Because, like, none of the money that was was missing from the house, because, like I said, there was money just laying out in the open. Yeah, which means it was personal. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So he was sentenced to 31 years. He maintains that he is innocent and the, st- the case is still technically unsolved, but it is closed. Uh, oh. Police say that they believe they have their man, even though he was not charged with those murders. Um, some still think it was Helen, the one who purchased the ammo. But um, my only hole in that whole theory is if she shot herself by the river, then where's the gun? That's true. And also, it's one of those things where, like, just because you purchased the bullets doesn't mean that you used them. And, like, maybe he took the gun from them, from the house. Like, that's a possibility. But, ooh. Did they they mention what the motive was? No, they have no motive. They don't know. They don't understand any of it. That's so weird. But, hmm. Yeah. So, but the, the a little bit more family history. They had a huge history of mental illness and violence. Well, clearly. And the, the incest could attribute to the, the theory of Helen doing something. Because uh, Anna and Ignatz were the parents of Helen. Okay. Uh, were the parents of Helen, Irene, Clarence, and Marie. Mm-hmm. And they were living with Ignatz's mother, Mary, in 1905. Anna discovered that Ignatz's brother had bludgeoned Mary to death in her bed. Uh, Ignat's older brother was already in an asylum, and his brother Wenzel was the one that murdered their mother, and he also went to an asylum after he murdered the mother. Oh, it's so weird. So there's a lot of mental illness in this family, and the uh, incest just made it worse. Well, yeah, because it's like, that's not great, buddy. Like, that that has been shown throughout history to make people do really, really strange things. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, watch porn together? Yeah, like, watch porn together. Like, just don't do that. Especially since, like... Unless your frat bro's trying to discover who you are. ...her son since he was, like, a kid. That's, like, that's pretty messed up. That's bad. Yeah. But if if your college bro's trying to figure out who you are, watch all the porn together you want. You know, just as long as you high-five afterwards. It's it's weird when you bring family into the mix. Or jerk each other off, either one. You know, because it's not gay. You guys are just frat bros. Right. <laughs> just exploring your sexuality. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> like, figure it out. It's okay. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, that uh, is my murder for this week. That's buck wild. I yeah. was going to talk about Chris Watts, but... Oh, there's still so much is going on with that one. Exactly. That's one reason I didn't want to talk about it again yet. Because I did talk about it before. And it's... Ugh. Fuck that guy. I mean, yeah, family annihilators are terrifying to me because, like, that's just, uh. Especially because, like, oh, I'm fell head over heels for this new girl that I don't even know. Uh huh. So you're just gonna kill your family? Yeah, because, like, that seems like the best idea, I guess, in your weird, sick little mind. So, yeah, yeah. Well, like, I'm glad you said a crazy story because, uh, oh, buckle up because this one's gonna be a this one's gonna be a ride. Oh god. So. 
Many people were on the waters of Macomay River that fateful day in August 2000. A man glided on his jet ski enjoying the summer day, not expecting to find a curious black bag that had washed up on the riverbank. You know, curiosity getting the best of him, he decides to drive over and unzip it. It's unknown what this man was expecting to find, but I'm sure it wasn't a human torso. Oh, I love torso murders. Oh, it gets so much weirder. Just wait, just wait, because there's, but wait, there's more. Call now and you're going to actually find out several more bags and their contents in the river. So, oh, no. for example, a, uh, like several, like, an, like moments later, like a marina employee does find a similar duffel bag floating underneath a dock, which contained a head. The third would be found by a marine biologist who is conducting a survey of an island on, in the river, and more body parts were found in that, and nine bags were found in total. The contents were commingled body parts of three people Ivan and Annette Steinman, an elderly retired couple. And Selena Bishop, a 20, like, like, ooh, she was like early 20s and a waitress. The plot would only thicken later when the police were alerted to the home of Selena Bishop, only to find her mother, Jennifer, Jennifer Villarain, uh, Villarain. I'm sorry if I mispronounced people's last names. I'm sorry, guys. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. And Joseph Gamble, which is Jennifer's boyfriend, shot dead in their sleep in the studio apartment in Marion County. When the police questioned Jennifer's place of employment, the Two Birds Cafe, her coworkers informed them that Jennifer had just recently started seeing someone and had left that day to go on a trip with him to Yosemite National Park for a camping trip. Oh, this no. would actually cool, but this would actually not lead to the arrest of one person, but in fact three: what? brothers Taylor and Justin Heltzer and Donna Godman. But why would someone do such a thing, or a group of people for that? <laughs> so, in order to get to answer that question, we're going to time travel a bit. So cue that music in your head. Just fantasize about it for a second. And there we go. So, Taylor and Justin Heltzer grew up in Martinez, a small town northeast of San Francisco, and were raised by devout Mormon parents. Taylor was the older brother and was known for being very charming and gregarious. Justin, the younger, was more introverted and shy. Justin greatly looked up to his older brother growing up, which uh, was unfortunately encouraged by Taylor because he'd constantly remind him that, hey, I'm number one and you're number two, which is... That's some bullshit. Like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a good part of their early adulthood was considered normal. The two fulfilled their mission trip and returned to California. Okay. Uh, yeah, because that's, that's a Mormon thing for our listeners that are unaware. But I feel like Mormonism's very widely known. So, but just in case. Just talking about for, are you talking about mission trips? Yeah, well, so like when a uh, young Mormon man comes of age, so a.k.a. graduates high school, uh, they it is in their sort of religious culture that they go out on a mission trip for, I think, like, I can't remember how long it is. I think it can be, like, as short as a year. Sometimes it's, like, maybe two years. Oh, see, I didn't know that. I was going to say, I've been on mission trips. Oh, yeah, um, no, no. It's a, it's a very extensive thing. And when you come back, you're considered an elder. And so it's oh, kind of like a rite of passage sort of thing. Um, I grew up with, I, I was friends with some Mormons growing up, so it, uh, it, I know that can, there's a lot of like conflicting feelings about Mormonism, you know, I've been lucky that I've, I've known some air quote good Mormons, there is some toxic things in their culture that they can be exploited upon, but I think that this fact is actually, or this tradition of going on a mission trip, though I don't believe in converting people, I don't think it's that bad of an idea. 
it, if there's a rite of passage, I'm not going to, like, dog someone for it. I guess right. that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, but... Especially because, like, they're literally just going out helping other people, so. They are, they are. And, like, spreading the good word of Joseph Smith, which... But, <laughs> hey, you know, if you're going out to impoverished communities and actually trying to do good, then, like, I'm not going to... I'm not going to dog you for it, because, like, that's still a good thing, even if you're trying to convert people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Before we get back into your story, how do you feel about that one mission missionary that uh, got killed on that island? Oh, he was dumb as shit. He deserved that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's kind of a mean thing to say, but I'm like, guys. Not really. I mean. Like, they're like, no, man, they're going to get killed. He's like, no, but Jesus told me I needed to do it. I'm like, don't, don't, don't. Please don't. Oh, Please don't. Yeah. So I don't. <laughs> I don't feel bad for him at all, but I do feel bad for his family that has to deal with this. Cause yeah. Especially yeah. the family was trying to get justice by like having, they were trying to bring like, like, like they said the uh, the people of the island should get in trouble for it. It's like why? No, because like they literally have told everybody like, no, we want to be left alone. We will literally kill you if you come here. And I feel like that's pretty. It's kind of like if you cross borders in, like, a combatant zone, it doesn't matter what side you're on, you're going to get shot. Right. So, like, yeah, no, they, they, the island people shouldn't be brought to justice because there is no justice. They were just defending their territory, and they made their entire claims 100% clear. Right, so, exactly. Yeah, but still feel bad for his, like, for his family. That sucks. But it's that, like, you, how would you prosecute these people? Like, you're never going to do that. Yeah. But anyways. So the we, have a, back we have a lot of sidebars. <laughs> yeah, no, but I like sidebars. They're fun. They're fun little things. But they return to California. And so Taylor, the older brother, finds, job, finds a job as a stockbroker. And Justin finds work as a cable installer. So two very different worlds. And also, this is actually something interesting that I just now kind of saw, is that still, even in their job choices, Taylor's number one and then Justin's number two, which is... Yeah, Justin. Yeah. Justin, what are we doing? Trying to start a podcast. What are you doing? Oh, man, what's up? <laughs> different Justin, different Justin. So eventually Taylor felt inspired to expand outside the church. So AKA homeboy wanted to rebel super hard. So he took part in this by doing more nefarious behavior, like drinking heavily, doing drugs, wild sex capades, and also not showering regularly. So that's great. That'll show them. That'll show them. That'll show, that'll show the Mormon church. So it was during this time he started to believe that he was the, a prophet and could receive messages directly from God. I know, tale as old as time. What is it with these people not showering and then going, I am God? Because God doesn't believe in showers. Because he's a desert God. I think <laughs> it's their own stink just getting to them. <laughs> Makes you hallucinate. It's also called mental illness, but, you know... Uh, anyway, so fulfilling the stereotype, he totally believed the rapture was a common and was obsessed with the moral decay of society and was pissed that nobody was paying attention to it. Every prophet needs their mission, though, am I right? <laughs> starting to feel like I've heard this story before, but at the okay. same time, it's happened with so many different people. Maybe not. I know. Like, there's, it's, it sucks because this definitely fits the narrative, but it does get, it gets, it gets worse. So. Okay. Anyway, so his big idea for his next step wouldn't come until the fateful night he and his brother Justin would meet Don Godman at a mur murder mystery dinner thrown by the Mormon church. Which, <laughs> oh, this makes it so much more ironic. 
God met the two brothers and was immediately smitten by, with, by Justin and was impressed by Taylor's spiritual knowledge. The three of them started a self-awareness group, which was basically them just locking themselves inside a room for four days with no window to confront their inner demons. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's essentially all it was. They would do that on the reg. So that's also not great, and that is cult behavior. Uh, so Taylor was able to convince Don that he was a prophet, and it was his destiny to take over the, Mor the Mormon church, even if it meant that he had to assassinate the church leaders. So clearly this church wasn't going to be down with his funky, fresh ideas, so he proposed the group start a self-awareness group to be called Impact America, and they would call themselves, the inner circle, the Children of Thunder. Children of Thunder. <laughs> Which is so funny, because Impact America sounds like a like group that's like, nah, we're going to clean up the environment. That's the name of this episode, the Children of Thunder. Oh, yeah, because that sounds so... That's epic, and that's actually what they're known as. This is actually known called the Children of Thunder Murders. Oh, okay, so that it's, works. All uh, right, cool. Yeah, yeah. the only issue is that they needed money to fund this, like, I, to fund this plan, and so how are they going to get it? So the group kicked around a couple of ideas, all of them totally batshit, but eventually they settled on the least absurd one, extortion. So Taylor used to manage the financial portfolio of Ivan and Annette Steinman. He reasoned that since they knew him, they would trust him. However, the three soon realized they would need another person involved in this plot, someone who could open a bank account, deposit the cash and uh, ah, sorry, deposit and cash the extorted checks. Of course, they would have to kill that person too to cover their tracks, but like whatevs. Because at this moment, like they're all <clears throat> sucked into Taylor's insanity. So right. Yeah, so Taylor would find this person in the spring of 2000s when he met the starry-eyed 22-year-old Selena Bishop at a rave. She was immediately attracted to him and told him about her art and her hopes and her dreams. And Taylor told her a bunch of lies, including about who he was, because she told, he told her to call him Jordan. So he's already lying about his name to, like, this girl. So, right. And she's 22, and, like, it's, yeah, not her fault at all, like, Whatever. Uh, so Taylor, well, Jordan, went to great lengths to not be seen by Selena's family or friends, but clearly that didn't go as planned when he introduced Selena, he was introduced to Selena's mother by getting pulled into helping her move into a studio apartment. So that's something that's going to be a problem, clearly, later. So uh, eventually, no. yeah, so eventually Taylor slash Jordan would weave another intricate and deadly lie to his, his, to his girlfriend, Selena. He claimed that he was about to inherit money from his very wealthy dead grandmother, but his bitch of an ex-wife was totally going to steal it. So he needed, some, to, needed her to open some bank accounts to hide the money. So Selena, being 22, enthusiastically agreed and opened up four bank accounts. Because this guy's clearly doing the whole push-pull push thing that, like, people with narcissist personality disorder do. And so she's like, oh, like, he just needs my help. And maybe this, maybe if I do this, he'll love me, which is so sad. I feel so sad for her. Uh, but the final piece of the puzzle would come with when Taylor, so Taylor, Justin, and Godman were able to, oh, shit, sorry. With the final piece of the puzzle in place, Taylor, Justin, and Godman were able to put their plan into action. So they joined hands in a prayer circle and declared war on Satan. So imagine that for a minute, because that's, like, incredibly hilarious to me, because that's so dorky. Uh, but with that, the trio 
uh, the, the trio left and with Godman at the wheel and drove over to the, resident, the residence of the elderly couple. They forced themselves inside and then forced them to drink uh, roofies, essentially, rohypnol. Yeah, rohypnol. And they forced both Ivan and Annette to make out checks to, in Selena's, Selena Bishop's name. So Taylor first thought that if he gave the elderly couple enough of the, of the roofies, they would just overdose and die. But apparently God didn't give them the heads up because that didn't happen. Uh, the Steinmans were simply just in a coma, like in very heavy, deep, like deep sleep state, and were still breathing. So the brothers dragged the wobbly couple to the bathroom where Justin bashed in Ivan's head against the floor. Trigger warning, I guess. And then <laughs> Taylor slit Annette's throat with a hunting knife. And then the trio returned the next day to the residence to hack the bodies apart with a power saw. Of course, the little brother Justin was forced to do most dirty work because Taylor claimed he had more important things to do, like sit and meditate and listen to the spirit. Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, dude. Diva. Uh, what's I just don't want to get blood on my brain and shit. Oh, God, no. I just need to talk to the spirit. So, like, Calm down, Justin. You just have to do it. Just cut up the bodies. It's not a big deal. This is for Jesus. I'm the prophet. Do it. Please. <laughs> Why am I even saying please? You just need to do it. Anyways, so once the deed was done, the group knelt down by the body parts and thanked the Steinmans for being a willing sacrifice to the greater cause. So now it was time to tie up loose ends. So Taylor planned the, makes plans for that bogus trip out to the National Park with Selena and he tells her while he's driving, air quote, oh, we're going to drive out to this national park. And he's like, oh, wait, I totally forgot something at home, babe. Like, let's just swing by. So he doesn't swing by his own home. Oh, no, 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 no. He goes to the Steinman's house instead because, again, he's never brought Selena to his house before, so she's not going to know. So he goes in and he's like, oh, hey, like, you've been working so long. And, like, how about you just lay on the floor and I'll give you a back massage. And she's like, oh, that's great, thank you. Like, kind of being grateful at probably what is maybe one of the few moments he's actually shown, like, genuine compassion for her. So she gets down on the floor and he starts giving her a back massage. So cue Justin, little brother, who's hiding in the closet, slowly opens the door, creeps up beside her with a hammer and bludgeons her. And so, again, because... The back massage thing, that happens with a lot of them. Like, a lot of murderers. Don't like, fucking trust back massages. Just, like, let me, no. Just, let me give you a back massage. No, I will not. No. Like, even if I've known you for 30 years, no. <laughs> I don't want you to come up with me, come at me with a ball-peen hammer. No. Just make sure you keep your eyes focused on the closet. Yeah, like, gotcha. Or don't lay down on the ground. Like, be like, <laughs> oh, no, I can do the sitting up and seeing everything. I'm fine. Yeah, yeah. So this is also what it gets kind of bad, too, because, of course, because these people are idiots, the hammer doesn't really kill Selena. So they also drag her to the bathroom where they dismembered the Steinmans, and it is Taylor that pulls her hair up, looks her in the face, and says, the spirit tells me you know this isn't a dream, which is so fucking creepy, right? And mm -hmm. splits her throat. And so, oh, no. yeah, yeah. So they then, like, they hack her up and they well, so they now have, like, several people in pieces. And so they're like, oh, crap, what are we going to do with this? Because, like, we didn't think this part through. And they're like, oh, wait, you know what? 
our neighbor has a dog. Let's try to feed it to the dog. <laughs> oh, so, so poor they dog. To, they try to feed the parts to the dog. And of course the dog doesn't eat it. So again, God didn't tell you this wasn't going to happen. All right, buddy. And so they're like, okay, okay, okay. Let's run a boat and we'll go pitch them in the river. And so while they're pitching the bags in the river, that's when Taylor realizes, oh shit, I forgot to take care of Selena's mom. And so when they get back into town, he's like, hold up a sec. I got one last thing I need to do. And so the group goes over because basically what was happening is that since they lied and said that, oh, hey, we're going to go to the National State Park, Selena's mom and her boyfriend were house sitting Selena's house while she was away. So Taylor clearly has a key because they've been dating for a little while. So he goes in in the middle of the night and he shoots both of them dead in their sleep. But they didn't hack up the body parts that time. I think he just decided to leave them. So wait, this is five people in total so far? Five people. And all because of an extortion plot. Which is because he's not well and thinks that he is Jesus. So, you know. He's not even doing the extortion part good. No, he's not. Because, like, there's a lot more about this case that, you know, people can look into later. Because it's just, it was... It got to the point where it was so crazy and there were so many little like twists and turns every corner where I thought like if I tell everything people are going to get lost in the narrative so I'm just going to have to like pick the big pieces and go right. Yeah yeah so (laughs) anyways the plot twist of the century in my opinion was that even though Taylor went out of his way to try to be like oh my name's not Taylor, my name's Jordan, and I'm going to lie about everything about myself to this girl and, like, not meet her friends and not meet her family. He gets busted because he has a pager. And it's the year 2000, for one. And for two, like, he gave... The pager's registered to his name and his brother's name. And also was registered to his address. And so he didn't want to give Selena his real phone number so he made up some probably really dumb lie saying, oh, don't call me on my phone. Call me on this pager, then I'll call you back. But he still reg- registered it to his name, which is so fucking funny. Because they found that, they found that number, the police did, when they were going through her records. And was like, oh, Oscar, what's that registered to? They're like, oh, that might be our guy. And so they catch him almost immediately. And they haul all three of them in because they were all living together. And so it was... Mm, you know, basically they're going to take everyone in for questioning anyways. When Justin and Godman were talking about how Taylor was the prophet of God and they were just doing what they had to do, the cops figured out pretty quickly they were all involved. Right. Yeah, so uh, what it was is that Justin was really tight-lipped about it and he wasn't going to break, but with Godman, the cops were like, no, I think we can get to her because she's not actually related to these people. So they brought in a cult G programmer and they, he like worked with her for days and she was like, Oh my God, what have I done? Holy shit. This is terrible. And he, like, and the cult de pro, like the programmer is like, yeah, that is awful. But do you want to take this plea bargain and like try to make it right and maybe get a lesser sentence for you? And so she says, hell yeah. <laughs> and that's honestly how we even know all these really grisly details is that Godman goes up and testifies in front of court and says everything. And basically, that is how the brothers get sentenced to death. But it's in California, so you know, it's it's they're going to soon be on death row forever. But that was back in two thousand five, and uh, unfortunately, Justin, the little brother, would take his own life. I think in like mm, it was like twenty fourteen, so it wasn't that long ago. 
But Taylor to this day is still rotting in jail, and that's the on, on death on death row. Yeah, but like so, he's been on death know. row for oh, fourteen years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because California doesn't really execute people; they do have the death penalty, but that's god damn liberals. Yeah, they're liberals and their liberal agenda. Yeah, but oh, it's a, it, it, that was a wild one. And, like, I wish I could have even had more time to talk about, like, his weird, what the whole cult was about, but, oh, God, it was just so weird. The biggest part is Satan's destroying the world by corrupting moral society, and... So we gotta kill people and take their yeah. money to fight Satan. Yeah, exactly, and I think there's some sort of an alien thing involved in there as well, but I wasn't able to get a good little fact-checking on that, so... Aliens are cool. Aliens are cool, so somehow aliens <laughs> played into the cult narrative, so... That was wild. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, just cults, man. Cults. Don't. I mean, <laughs> just say no to aren't, cults. Aren't you kind of in a cult? Mm, yeah, but oh, wait, or is, is that recognized as a religion now? Mm, it's technically a fraternal, like a fraternal order. So it's like <laughs> Freemasonry for weirdos. Okay. But is Freemasonry a cult? We don't know. Religions are just cults that got really big. It's true. They're cults that like blew up and became mainstream. Mm-hmm. 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 Just like I guess I'd say like just like Donald Trump cult that's about like saying that Satan's trying to take over the world. Like join a cult that like you just go out and you have a cool drum circle once a week. Right. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, do you want to have consensual sex? And they're like, yeah. Or no. Those are cool cults. And if they say no, then everyone's like, word, man. Like, that's cool. Do your thing. That's cool. You can, you know, hang out if you want. Eat at the buffet. Yeah, like, hey, like, this guy made some quiche. Do you want some quiche? Oh, yeah, hell yeah, dude. And the quiche (laughs) is beautiful and delicious. So. (laughs) That's why I like um, the Satanic Bible. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I like I like the commandments, and it's always funny when Christians are like, like Satanism people, and the Satanic Bible is not about worshiping Satan. Cause... Oh no, no, because like Satan's an archetype to them, and also even underneath that umbrella, there's so many different factions. Because we have like the Greater Church of Lucifer, which is different than the Church of Satan, which is de- different than like, uh, oh shit, the Satanic Temple. Right. Those are all three very different entities. So. Because, like, the Satanic Temple, they're more political, and they're basically, like, mm, they're basically, like, punk rock atheists. And I they're, love that. Like, oh, I love the Satanic so Temple so much. Oh, my gosh. Like, shout out to the Satanic Temple in Atlanta. You guys are amazing. And the um, ones here in uh, Michigan, every year around Christmas, they put up, uh, you know, how, like, the Christians put up their manger display at the Capitol. hmm Well, they've been putting up their own display now. Yes! Do it! Because Crush it's freedom it. of religion. Yes. And people get so pissed about it. It's like, you guys do realize that the whole point of this religion is to point out your hypocrisy. Yeah, that's what I love about them. <laughs> I'm like, yes! You guys are amazing. Like, just doing the good work. Yeah, because there's a, actually the Satanic Temple, I don't know, I don't have any updates on this yet, but uh, those of us listening know that on the news that Georgia did pass the heartbeat bill and it's basically atrocious and terrible and i'm not going to get into exactly why because that's not really important but the satanic temple is uh actually the the entire national level of it 
they're actually sort of planning protests and sort of ways to fight against that. So like, hey, so go out and support your local satanic temple if you disagree with heartbeat builds. It's so heartbeat bells are so stupid. And people, yeah, yeah. Oh, what is really annoying me is I'm seeing it more and more people talking about infanticide. And it's like, that is not an actual thing. No, it's not. That's not what's happening. Stop like, being stop stupid. Happening. Yeah, yeah. And it's also that, like, hey, if you talk to a doctor who actually knows the science behind, hey, how we develop, they'll tell you that, no, like, actually, it's not even a heartbeat. That's it's more literally. Of it's literally a clump of cells. That's all yeah. it is. You don't have a heart that's fully formed enough to even have a heartbeat. It's just that to these people that uh, are using Christianity and abusing Christianity in order to keep their power and are like basically in our society, because they're not Christians. Like, none of those people are actually Christian. Um, they just use and prey on Christians' fears and, uh, and what they feel rallied about at that moment. And they're exploiting Christians and also everybody else just to keep power. Mm -hmm. That's so, all it is. You know, personally, I think that, hey, my, my ride or die Christians that I know, like, you guys deserve better representation than that. So, you know, like, I have some friends that are like, like, they're, they're the actual Christians. They, they don't judge others. They, they live their lives. They practice their religion. And what you do yeah. does not affect them. Yeah, yeah. Those are the right Christians. Those are the ones that are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. Judge not, lest ye be judged. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I, I, I've been blessed to know some like really wonderful people that follow Christianity as well. <clears throat> but uh, I think it's just some people abuse that religion and tarnish it in order to push their own sick narrative. And that's usually because they want to control people that they can't control otherwise. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's, that's a bummer. Yeah, well, that's the world we live in right now. Mm -hmm. But, you know, hey, trials and tribulations. So. Yeah. We gotta plug all our shit. We gotta plug so much shit. All right. Well, first of all, I want to say thank uh, Crackalack Beats for the use of the uh, intro and outro song there. Uh, he has a YouTube channel. You can check that out. We have a Twitter, which is at DeadTalkPod. Uh, we have a Facebook group, the De uh, Dead Talk Podcast, where you can uh, post weird and murderous shit. Oh my god, I almost forgot. I have a crazy story, but I'll, we'll plug all this stuff, and then I'll tell the story at the end. Yes, do it! It's another news article. Oh, do it. Alright, so yeah, you can find us there on Facebook. Um, you can email us at uh, the Dead Talk Podcast at gmail.com and send okay. us a story. Send us murders and all that other stuff, and we will read them. I love it. And uh, uh, our Instagram is Dead Talk Pod, much like the same as our Twitter. Oh, you got it. You got it. I up. do. I'm doing yeah. it. I think it's my own phone number because I was like, "Fuck it." All right. My God, I keep clicking on the wrong things. Where are my saved saves? There we go. Okay. So I figure I, uh, we can just totally end. Uh, these shows because I always find crazy ass news articles. Ooh, do it! So we'll do we'll it, start do doing it. that at the end of um as we like we'll tell our stories, plug all our stuff, read a news article, and that'll be the end of the episode. I like it. That's a good idea. Keep you all in here for a little bit longer. Yeah, it's like you know you don't have to leave just yet. It's fine. All right. So this news article is uh posted June nineteenth, twenty nineteen, by BBC.com News. Mm -hmm. Um. An Alaskan teenager allegedly killed her best friend after an online stranger posing as a tycoon offered her money to carry out the murder. 
Denali Bremer, 18, of Anchorage, is accused of plotting the murder of Cynthia Hoffman, 19, this month. Uh, Ms. Bremer allegedly sent Snapchat video of the killing to an Indiana man, Darren Schillmiller, 21, who offered her $9 million or 7 million pounds for the killing. Prosecutors said the case should serve as a warning to the parents of teens. Brian Schroeder... Watch out for them Snapchats. <laughs> well, just don't believe people online. Please don't believe people online, guys. Unless, unless oh. it's us. Believe yeah, everything we us. say. Everything, because we are the prophet of God. We will run the Mormon Church, even though we're not Mormons. Donate money to us, but yeah. not as much as the <laughs> only donate seven percent of your checks, not ten percent. See, yeah, we don't no, want as much like, as no, we don't want all of your money. We're just so chill. We just want seven percent of it. <laughs> all right. So the U.S. Attorney for the District of Alaska told a news conference on Tuesday, "For all of the good and for all of the good internet can do, it can be a dark place, and parents would be wise to monitor the activity of their children online." According to court documents, uh, Bremer confessed to the killing of Hoffman on a hiking trail on June 2nd. Uh, both are described in court documents as best friends, quote-unquote. <laughs> the murder was allegedly carried out on the behest of a man she had met online months earlier. He claimed to be Tyler, a millionaire from Kansas. There are no millionaires in Kansas. All of us know this. <laughs> that was the first mistake. <laughs> Tyler was a bogus online persona concocted by Mr. Schillmiller, in a trap known as catfishing. Investigators say they uncovered mobile phone evidence uh, of Bremer and Schmiller discussing a plan to rape and murder someone in Alaska. Bremer then allegedly recruited four friends to help in the crime, offering to pay large sums of blood money. Authorities say Miss Hoffman, who is known as Cece, was brought to Thunder, uh, Thunderbird Falls in Anchorage by the killers on the day of her death. They had taken her in a pickup truck under the guise of going uh, hiking. Hiking, ugh. Uh, Ms. Hoffman's family said she had learning difficulties. The victim's father, Timothy Hoffman, told the Anchorage Daily News, My daughter trusted these people. My daughter just wanted friends. Now I have to bury her. Aww. The suspect allegedly bound Ms. Hoffman's head and hands with duct tape and shot her in the back of the head before pushing her body into the... Ooh, that's cold-blooded. Yeah, into the Yakluntna River nearly 30 miles north of Anchorage. Caden, 16, is accused of firing the fatal shot with, Ms., uh, with Brummer's gun. Caleb, uh, 19, and a juvenile male and female who have not been named because of their age have also been criminally charged. Uh, Shill Miller, 4,000 miles away at his home in New Salisbury, Indiana, had also allegedly directed Brummer to rape the victim before killing her. Police say there is no evidence that Hoffman was sexually abused, though. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that's nice, I guess. <laughs> She's still dead, but... Right. Prosecutors say Bremer sent videos and photos to Schmiller in Indiana throughout the attack at his directive. The victim's clothing and personal items were allegedly destroyed by the attacker, attackers, so that, that means she was naked, I guess. Oh, so, yeah. Bremer is also accused of texting the victim's family after the killing to say she had been dropped off at a different park in Anchorage. Um, they interviewed Schmiller, uh, the Indiana police interviewed Schmiller on June 9th. They said he admitted to duping Bremer and discussing a second murder plot with her. He also allegedly blackmailed Bremer into sexually assaulting children, threatening to expose the murder of Hoffman if she did not comply. Police say that during the investigation, they found sexually explicit images in the pair's text exchanges. 
Bremer has allegedly confessed to filming a video of an eight or nine year old girl being sexually abused. What? As well as a fifteen year old and sending them to Schmiller. In a criminal Yeah. It keeps going. It just keeps going. Yeah, it just keeps going. In a criminal complaint, the FBI's child expo- spli- ah, exploitation exploitation task force. So text messages show Schmiller directing Bremer how she should assault a teenage girl. Uh, he's awaiting extra, uh, extradition to Alaska to face the charges. Each of the defendants faces up to 99 years in prison if found guilty. In a press conference on Tuesday, FBI agent Jeffrey Peterson issued a stern warning to other would-be criminals. If you are listening to my voice, not in Alaska, but somewhere else. If you're sitting in your mom's basement and you're planning to do some type of crime, influence, plan, or conduct a crime in Alaska, and you think you're safe because you're that far away, you're not, uh, Peterson said. We will track you down, we will find you, and we will bring you here to face justice. Uh, I love it when cops get dramatic. <laughs> like, or if Justin, who lives in Michigan, is telling you on a podcast, then like, still listen to his words. Listen to my voice. He will, he will fucking find you. <laughs> that that, I mean, that guy in Alaska will find you. Yeah, that guy in Alaska will find you. I probably find won't. You, man. I'm, um, pretty, I'm pretty lazy. Yeah, yeah. And also, we're not law enforcement, and we respect that. So, you know. I don't got a lot of money to travel. No, I don't know, man. Like that's that, that's that's how I that's how I die. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm just we're just gonna tell on you because you know. Well, yeah, and that was the new story upon this week, and I was like, oh, I gotta make sure I read that. I'm glad oh, I remembered. And great. now we have a, now we have a way to end the show. Now we have a beautiful way to end the show. So yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the dead talk, man. All right, guys. We will Listening. see you for Weirdness Wednesday. Yes. All right. Bye. Bye.